the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, August the 15th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, on in 1057, Macbeth, King of Scots, was killed in battle by Malcolm, the eldest son of King Duncan, whom Macbeth had killed. Today, in 1769, Napoleon Bonaparte was born in the island of Corsica, Today, in 1914, the Panama Canal officially opened. Today, in 1935, humorist Will Rogers and aviator Wiley Post, they were killed when their airplane crashed near Point Barrow in the Alaska Territory. Today, in 1945, in a pre-recorded radio address, Japan's emperor, Hirohito, he announced that his country had accepted the terms of surrender for ending World War II. Today, in 1947, India became independent after about, I think it was about 200 years of British rule. Today, in 1961, as workers began constructing the Berlin Wall, making it out of concrete, I've mentioned this before, but I take great joy in this. I have a piece of that wall on my desk. It just means a lot to me just to have it there. Anyway, today, in 1961, they began um, constructing that Berlin Wall making it out of concrete, and I can attest to that. But there was this East German uh, soldier, the first one, Conrad Schumann was his name. He jumped to freedom. He somehow got through the tangled barbed wire, got over the wall as they were building it, and got into West Berlin and West Germany. Uh, He, uh, I'm not sure what his history was after that, but he was a free man. They didn't make him go back for sure. But he kind of made his place in history as he took his took the opportunity to leap over the wall. Today, in 1969, the Woodstock Music and Art Fair opened in upstate New York. It was probably the biggest display of open sexuality in the history of our country. They were free, they said, as they laid in the mud several days, as I recall. Today in 2003, bouncing back from the largest blackout in U.S. history, cities from the Midwest to Manhattan restored power to millions of people. They're saying that that could happen again this summer. It hasn't happened yet, but they are kind of prepping us for that type of thing to happen because we're using too much electricity, and yet they're trying to push the world toward all electric, everything. Can't quite figure that out. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But the Bible says, Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he had put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. 
Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to upward. As I read this, I'm reminded of a little song. I'm always reminded of songs that we used to sing in churches when I was a kid growing up. I didn't know where they got their words from, but we used to sing that song, like, He brought me up out of the miry clay. Remember that? Did any of you grow up in church where they were singing that song? And I, I didn't know about the miry clay. I didn't know for sure what miry clay was. I had some clay that I used to make little things out of, but I used to, I just learned those words, a kid sitting on the pew because I had to, and I was, I don't know, four, five, six, eight, ten years old, but they were singing those kinds of gospel songs, and they, some of the songs were words from the Psalms and other places in the Bible, and they just kind of make an imprint in your, in your mind, and you never forget them. You don't try to learn them. They're just part of you. And so when I read this, I remember that little chorus, or I guess it was a several verses song, but singing the, the words of the Lord and uh, in worship and, and praise. We, we don't maybe do that so much now in church, unfortunately in some cases, very unfortunately in some cases. But nonetheless, that always brings back those, those songs that we sang. And so it was a kind of a duel. It reminds me of the songs, and the songs remind me of Scripture. And that's the way it's supposed to be. A grand jury in Georgia returned 10 indictments on Monday night, last night in Fulton County District. Attorney, this Fan, attorney Fan, Fannie Willis's investigation into former President Trump. It's a 98-page. Um, it's a 98-page indictment, and it reveals that Trump and 18 other co-defendants were indicted. So there's 19 counting Trump. Also indicted were uh, this morning were Trump co-defendants, State Senator Sean Steele, Attorneys John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, Bob Sheely, Ray Smith III, Kenneth Cheeseborough, former Assistant U.S. Attorney General Jeffrey Clark, GOP strategist Michael Roman, former Coffee County Election Supervisor Misty Hampton, former Coffee County GOP uh, chairwoman Kathy Latham, Adla- Atlanta bail bondsman Scott Hall, publicist uh, Trivian Cutie, I think that's how you pronounce the name, an Illinois pastor, Stephen Cliffgard Lee, and Harrison Floyd, who briefly ran for a suburban U.S. House seat before serving as director of Black Voices for Trump. The grand jury met for approximately 10 hours yesterday, they heard testimony. Then they voted on the potential charges late last night, about 9 o'clock, I think, when they finally made their decision. Fulton County Superior Court Judge, uh, this Robert McBurney, he signed off on the charges uh, late last night. That's what's happening. There will be a lot more to talk about as that develops. But this, this is one of the most incredible abuses of power and abuses of our law and institutions in America that I think probably at any time in America, certainly in more recent years. So there's a lot to talk about there, and we'll be talking about it as it unfolds. I personally think I could be wrong, but I personally think I should say I have a sense. <laughs> Maybe I don't know if I think it yet, but I, I have a sense that 
these guys are overreaching. And at some point, there's going to be a backlash on, on many fronts. But even legally, among even among some clear thinking or a little more clear thinking uh, leftists, secularists, Democrats, they're going to get to the point where they're going to realize how stupid they're looking, trying to use the United States of America to destroy a political opponent. And that's what this all comes down to. Any way they slice it, and the press is working day and night, running their fingers over their keys to try to make you believe otherwise. But that isn't the truth. This is an abuse of power in the from the top down to destroy a political opponent that they fear and hate. That's what, in my view, and I think it's going to backfire at some point. I hope it does. I want to talk to you a little bit about China today and a, a polluter or a savior. The New York Times wrote a story yesterday that I could not stop and talk about on this program because it, 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 it reveals a bigger picture of the deception and the, and, and the misleading um, commitments that the press makes to try to get America kind of herded up like cattle into a corral somewhere and then teach us all to think like they want us to think so they can move us forward and build their power base. I mean, that's my view on things. So they wrote this article, the New York Times, and as I said, it caught my attention and I had to talk about it today. They did what they often do yesterday morning. They try to persuade the people of America to believe as they believe. Straight news reporting from the, you know, the gray lady or whatever they used to call the New York Times is something of the distant past. If it ever existed, it doesn't now. And I think most of us know that. I think most of you would agree with me. They begin with this feature story. While the U.S. and Europe have enacted sweeping policies to fight climate change in recent years, China has always had the potential to undermine those successes. Well, that's true. China is the world's biggest polluter. Well, that's true. It has the second largest population on Earth, which is true, with a growing economy that increasingly demands energy. If China largely fills that demand with coal and other fossil fuels, as it has for the past two decades, it could negate the rest of the world's progress in reducing planet-warming greenhouse gas emissions, the New York Times explains. That's probably true about what they can do. It's definitely true. They're the biggest polluter. But then the New York Times pivots. They always pivot. And they say this. Then there's good news. They say, and I'm quoting from the New York Times, the good news is that China is not relying only on fossil fuels. Well, great. Celebrate. The world is moving toward a clean energy future faster than experts expected. My colleagues, reading from the New York Times yesterday, feature article. My colleagues, David Gallus, Brad Plummer, Jim Tankersley, Jack Ewing, they reported that future in, the future includes China. It already produces, these guys are, are watchers of science. It already produces more electricity by solar, it is China, by solar and wind power than any other country. And they produce a chart to prove it. More good news. The New York Times says China is also leading a leading manufacturer of electric cars. They now make up a larger share of the passenger vehicle market in China 
than in the U.S. or the EU. All this leads to the conclusion that, quote, there is no doubt about it. China is doing more than any other country when it comes to renewable energy and electric vehicles. So how do they explain that China is still the largest uh, polluter in the world by far, but they're kind of becoming the green savior of the world? Well, it's real easy. Here's what they say. Two two bullet points that I took from it. It's their words, but I'm, this is just an extraction from from their article. China vowed to double its capacity of wind and solar power by 2030. It is on track to meet that goal five years ahead of schedule. Secondly, while China is the world's biggest adopter of clean energy, it is it also remains the world's biggest user of fossil fuels, particularly coal. We have to hold quoting the Times, we have to hold these two things, which can seem contradictory, in our heads at the same time, they write. China is pulling the world in two directions. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what China's doing. They're trying to pull us in one direction, <laughs> and it's toward communism. I mean, let's be honest. The New York Times probably knows that, but they think that whatever happens won't affect them all that much, and maybe they believe that is what should happen. I don't know. But anyway, they go into then two prominent climate scientists have taken on the Environmental Protection Agency's EPA new rules to cut CO2 emissions in electricity generation, arguing in testimony that the regulations will be disastrous for the country for no scientifically justifiable reasons. So they're creating the, 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 the two directions that China is now leading us in. We're talking about data from William Happer, who's a professor emeritus in physics at Princeton University, and Richard Lindzen, a professor emeritus of atmospheric science at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. And they argue that the claims used by the EPA to justify these new regulations are not based on scientific facts. The New York Times fit them into their story because they have to appear to be um, legitimate. They want the public to think. Did you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before on this program, but did you know that like Associated Press, they put out a story And if you've ever wondered, like if you click through the channels, say at five o'clock at night watching the news or whatever, and I I, I watch little of it, to be honest with you, but I kind of keep track of what they're talking about. But did you know that if you do that, you probably noticed they all kind of run through the same stories. They do locally, but but nationally, they run through the same stories. And they almost, if you really watch, they use the same words as well. I mean, they... It almost sounds like they're all reading from the same script. Well, it does because they are. Associated Press is is a is it's a coalition. It's owned by a coalition of newspapers, and it's kind of a clearinghouse. And so the New York, for example, the New York Times will write a story, and the Associated Press that we think, I mean, most people think of it as an independent source. It isn't. They write a story, it goes, it's kind of a clearinghouse. It, they, it goes to the Associated Press, then it goes out to all the little, I mean, from the littlest to the biggest TV stations and, and radio stations around the country. And you hear these guys reading that, the script, literally, on the news, wherever you live. 
And if you pay attention to that, you'll see it. My point is simply not that they're reading somebody else's news. My point is that there is a concerted effort, and it's very, uh, it's very well organized and structured to get the same message out in the same time frames so they can influence the nation, not report news necessarily, but to influence the nation to think in the ways that they want them to think to, to accomplish, in this case, in their case, to accomplish the ends of the leftist movement, whether it's climate or whatever it is, the economy, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But it is a concerted effort. That's why it's so important that we have independent voices in our country that are not part of that, that are speaking the truth. And there are those voices. And I want to thank you for supporting us. We need your support. And it allows us to continue to do what we do. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. If you listen to this program and don't support it, I'd like to encourage you to pray about it and see if the Lord would kind of nudge you to become part of our support base. We need you. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Anyway, these guys made the story. Professor Emeritus from Princeton and this other guy from Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They say the unscientific method of analysis relying on consensus, peer review, government opinion, models that do not work, cherry-picking data, omitting voluminous contradictory data, is commonly employed in these studies. Mr. Harper, Mr. Lindzen, they said none of the studies provide scientific knowledge and thus none provides any scientific support for this proposed rule that they were debating, they had a hearing on. All the models that predict catastrophic global warming fail, the key test of the scientific method. They grossly overpredict the warming versus actual data. The scientific method proves there is no risk that fossil fuels and carbon dioxide will cause catastrophic warming and extreme weather. Why would they put that in a story that they're trying to bend toward China being the leader of the free world or whatever in climate because they want to appear to be legitimate and they want you to say, wow, you know, they're giving me both sides of this and so on. But if you read through this story, it's long and we're not, I'm not going to go through all of it today because I want to talk about a biblical worldview of, of the climate change uh, crisis that we supposedly have. But if you read the whole story, it leads you through a bunch of hoops and over some you know, little barricades and bridges to where you think, boy, that's a very balanced story and it, it's really good. But, but the underlying theme of it is, and it's very carefully crafted, the underlying theme is that China is emerging as a leader and we need to pay attention and follow their lead. That's what really this is about. And that becomes very destructive to our democracy. The left is always talking about saving the democracy. Oh, we got to save the democracy. Donald Trump's going to ruin the democracy. Well, they're out breaking every law almost in the book that relates to the kinds of things that they're charging Trump with. I mean, it's just amazing what, what these people do. They, I, they either don't remember what they said or they don't care, but they just move on and they say things that, with, that are without basis and then they weave truth into it. 
And of course, deception, you know, the first act of deception known to man was in the garden of Eden and Satan deceived Eve and then Adam. I think that spirit is among us today and it manifests itself in a lot of ways, but certainly one of them is in the press and the way the press is presented. And I'm not saying they're demonic. I'm just saying that it's deception after the model of the first great deception, the fall of man. This Harper says there was there was already an he said that was already an embarrassment this whole climate thing in the 90s. He said when I was director of energy research in the US Department of Energy, I was funding a lot of this work and I knew very well then that the models were overpredicting the warming by a huge amount. These two scientists argue that the EPA has grossly overstated the harm from CO2 emissions while ignoring the benefits of CO2 to life on Earth. I want to talk to you a little bit about that, about life on Earth, about increased levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. They're, they're making the case, these guys are, if you read further into what they're actually saying, they're making the case that the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere creates more food for people worldwide, including more people, more food for people in drought-stricken areas. And again, the New York Times put that in there. But the whole, but the bigger picture, the whole structure of the of the article, is to lead you to believe that China is leading all of this kind of an enlightenment period. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about a biblical worldview on climate change. When it gets hot in the summertime, and it's hot here in the Northwest for sure, but. When it gets hot in the, in the, in the summertime, these, this, this whole issue comes forward because you're sweating and you're hot and you're hoping it cools down and everything. And so all of a sudden in that context, they say, man, we need to push forward with this climate change. And Joe Biden is shuffling around saying, I'm giving $80 billion for climate change or 60 or whatever it was the other day. And people applaud. They say, wow, that's great. That's a fraud. And it's dishonest. I don't know if he knows it or not. I don't know his mind or his heart. God does. But it's not true. It just simply isn't. I'm not a scientist. But I can read. It isn't true. In fact, in fact, this whole climate change idea, this whole movement, as far as I'm concerned, is the, is the greatest forced transfer of wealth in the history of mankind. That's what it's about. It's really about money, billions of dollars, unchecked, going, throwing, quickly, fast. We've got to get it out today. We've got to get it to these people. And going into the pockets of a few, not the many, and not into science that's going to solve the problem. That's why there's so much confusion in our world today. The whole problem with this this whole climate issue is that in order to understand climate change, as, and again, I'm not a scientist, I've just read a lot, but we have to accept the biblical time frame and the reality of the flood. If you dismiss the flood, the flood event of the biblical flood, then everything else becomes unraveled. The era, the flood era, 
provides a framework for thinking about the history of climate as it relates to our current debate, this current fiasco. According to the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27, 8, and 9, people were commanded to fill the earth. Thus, God created earth to be productive, to feed the people, to be full of people. Of course, the fall occurred when Adam sinned, causing corruption of the creation. That's found in Genesis 3 and Romans 8. And it would have been at times been difficult to get enough food to survive. I mean, that's well known. In the biblical view, from the beginning, humans were created to care for and rule over the earth. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and everything in it. This is called the dominion mandate. God mandated us to take dominion over the earth and the creatures and so on. That's very clear in the Bible. Called dominion mandate. In the modern secular view, it's based on its narrative of deep time evolution. Humans out of the equation are out of the equation and the environment will function better if we take them out that is the part the thinking of some scientists noah's flood was about 4500 or so years ago provides a mechanism for an ice age that followed it in the northern hemisphere peaking after about 500 years and then declining rapidly about 200 years the Bible talks about this because the secularists deliberately overlook the flood. They say, oh, it didn't happen. It was just a local thing where they got too much rain. I mean, that's in textbooks. They teach that in classrooms. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says otherwise. They don't have a viable mechanism to explain an ice age. So they have to create this climate movement around the narrative to come up with something to create an ice age because everybody, all the scientists including the guys that the New York Times is quoting, say, yeah, there, there, there was an ice age. I mean, there's evidence everywhere. There is no way they can uh, equate, as I understand it, scientifically, that that could happen without, they just, so they have to ignore it. They just can't fit it into their narrative. And that's the difference between a secular worldview and a biblical worldview. A secular worldview creates, quote-unquote, facts to support their ideas, whereas a Christian, a biblical Christian, accepts God's word as the infallible word of God, and we build our worldview on God's truth. And if God says there's a flood, baby, there was a flood. And if God says it's all going to end and the, the earth is going to pass away, it's going to pass away. I'm, I'm trying to stay right on God's side and right on God's page because that's what's going to happen. And we ignore that through our secular beliefs and our secular philosophies. And that gets, there's consequences to it. And that gets us to where we are today. There's no way to explain these ice ages, as I understand it from a lot of scientists who are suppressed and they, they won't pu publish their work in these peer-reviewed uh, journals. So that's why it seems like there's only one message, but it isn't. Nearly all of today's coal was formed from vegetation buried during the flood. The amount of vegetation suggests that CO2 plant food levels in the atmosphere between creation and the flood was probably very high to support the needs of God's creation. There's so much more I would like to talk to you about
but stay close to the Word of God. We live in perilous times, deceptive times, but let's keep it clear and keep it straight. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.